those three weeks between when I when Matt died and when I had Harry, I they were the longest three weeks of my life. But I was just like every day I was just like waiting for this little boy to come. Because I knew that like once I held him in my arms that like this is who I had to survive for. gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Emily Hall was just like any new mum weeks out from her due date. She was exhausted and sore and it was difficult to sleep, all the while feeling the melting pot of nerves, excitement and fear all mums experience just before their baby arrives. But what started like an ordinary day almost three years ago ended as the worst in her life. Her husband Matt was dirt bike riding with friends when he suffered severe heat stroke and died. The next thing Emily knew, police were at her door and suddenly she was a widow at 36 weeks pregnant. Emily opens up about what life was like in those early stages, how her son Harry became her reason to live and why, in her own words, she's determined to make lemonade out of the lemons life has handed her. Here's Emily. Emily, it's an absolute pleasure to have you join us on the Lemonade podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm just so excited. I've been following you for so long and so it's pretty exciting for me to be sitting opposite you and having a chat with you and I think you've got such an inspiring, amazing story to share. So I'm so excited to get into it. But what I do like to do with everyone is I like to get a bit of a feel of what my guests were like back when they were in high school, back when you were a kid. You know, what was your childhood like and how would people have described you? Oh, God. (laughs) So I've always had, like, really amazing parents, and they still are today. I had a wonderful upbringing, but as a teenager, I probably... I was more into boys and parties than I was (laughs) studying. So, oh, God. Yeah, I wonder what people thought of me back then, but I'm definitely a different person than I was then. (laughs) And you grew up in Brisbane, is that right? I did. And were you, was it like in the city or did you grow out kind of in the country? Probably 15 minutes from the city in Wilston. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But yeah, I have a little a little brother. He's not that little anymore. He's 20, he's 30. Oh my gosh. But yeah, great, great upbringing. Yeah. yeah. And did you know what you wanted to do at school? Were you the kind of kid that knew, I don't know, this is what I'm going to do when I leave or anything like um, that? I actually left wanting to be a shoe designer, funnily enough. And I did study fashion, but... When you're 18, you've got no idea how to get into it or anything like that. So I kind of did a few different things. But, yeah, I'm 
I'm doing shoes now, which is really funny. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So people say when they were 18, I don't know, I had a dream to be, I don't know, an actress in Hollywood, yeah. but that didn't quite pay her out. But you actually did what yeah. you set out to do, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. And her shoes are amazingly beautiful, by Thank the way, you. I should say. When you were a teenager, I think, I don't know if you're like me, but when I was young, I had this idea of what my life was going to look like mm-hmm. by the time I was in my 30s. What did it look like for you? I always... I know it sounds really cliche, but I always wanted to have kids quite young, get married, live in a beautiful house with a white picket fence. And I mean, it didn't quite turn out that way, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Matt was your high school sweetheart. For those, for those listening, Matt was your, is your late husband. Yes. What did you like about him when you first met him? He definitely brought me down to earth. He was, had this great sense of adventure he was funny. He's He had a laugh that when he laughed, you laughed back at him because it was such a funny laugh. And, yeah, we just had fun together. I think a lot of teenagers that date, they don't last very long or they, they grow apart, but we, we grew together and it was a really nice thing. Yeah, we were, like, best mates. Did you go to school together? No, no. My best friend actually introduced us, which is... Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I actually saw his best friend for... <laughs> A couple of months before. And that's how I <laughs> was that always a bit of a thing that yeah. you guys would laugh about or was it that you weren't allowed to talk about? Oh, no, we laughed about it, <laughs> definitely. And how soon did you realise that this was the kind of person that you'd want to marry and be with forever? We just evolved together and we didn't necessarily plan it from the beginning, but we kind of just knew that we would be together. Yeah. Is there something that he brought out in you or you brought out in him that you really cherished and loved? I think he's def- he definitely brought me down to earth, like I said, and I was probably a bit of a priss when we first <laughs> started dating. And I think that I'm a lot more laid back now because I had him in my life and a sense of adventure, which I never had growing up because I had a very protective father. So... Yeah, we we had an amazing relationship. And then you did get married. Yes. Was there a sense of, okay, great, this is it, this is my life, this is perfect, this looks beautiful? Yeah, absolutely, it did. But, yeah, we we did have a few struggles with fertility and it took us a little while to have Harry, but we, we did it together. Yeah. I did want to ask you about that because upon my research, I noticed that you have spoken quite openly about endometriosis mm-hmm. and your battle with that and how that did make it difficult to fall pregnant. Mm-hmm. What, what's, can you give us a bit of an insight into what that's like? Endometriosis is quite hard to diagnose. You have to have an operation and a lot of the times you'll go to the doctor saying you've got really bad period pain, for example, and they kind of shrug it off. It's, I think, because they, don't, they haven't done enough research on it. So I wasn't diagnosed with it until I was 28 when we wow. started having, starting to try for kids. And, you know, every month you, you, you try. We tried for almost two years. And, you know, every month just being disappointed, it, it is tough. It's really tough. Was it, diffi- was it difficult for both of you to navigate? For me, yes. He was just a huge support to me. He never showed that... It was hard for him. He would just be there for me. And I really appreciated that. And then you did turn to IVF. Is yes, that yeah, right? Yeah, was that, was, I know a lot of women speak about when they have to turn to that, they feel like they've all, their bodies failed them yeah, in a way. Is definitely. that how it felt for you? Yeah, I actually, Matt had 
kind of said, I think we need to start IVF. And I was like, I really don't want to do it yet. Because, yeah, you do feel like you've failed as a woman. You think that that's your one job in life to have children. And when you can't do that, it's it's devastating. But... You know, I think it was the best decision we ever made. And how soon did was it? The, how soon did the did you fall pregnant? So we did one round. We got one embryo, and that didn't work. So we did. A, we had to do a whole another round, and we got mm. five. And Harry was the first of the five. Wow. Yeah. And when you discovered and realised that you were pregnant, can you talk us through how that felt for the both of you? It was quite surreal, but it was amazing, and I, I actually didn't. I didn't worry that anything was going to fail. I was just, we were just so excited. Best feeling in the world. You just feel like, yeah, I guess once you'd overcome that hurdle, yes. it just felt like smooth sailing yeah. ahead, didn't it? and it was. It was a really easy pregnancy. Didn't throw up once. Wow. Um, <laughs> you weren't sick at all at the start? No, not at all. Like a little bit nauseous, but... I was, I was good. Oh my gosh. I felt like I felt hungover for about 12 weeks. It was just, I just ate all the carbs. <laughs> yeah. So did I. Which is what apparently that's what means that you're having a boy. A oh really? Nice. Okay. And we both had boys. Now I hope we can take you, I can take you back to the day that your entire world did change. Mm-hmm. What can you remember from that morning? Oh God. So Matt was a pilot. So he just got back from a trip from LA the day before. And he got back and he was like, I really want to go out dirt bike riding. Like, he just wouldn't let go of this idea. And you know what men are like when they've got an idea, they just do it. And I was a little bit worried because it was quite a hot day. So I was like, make sure you pack lots of water and whatever. But he got up quite early and I still... my mem- <laughs> Most people who know me know that my memory is terrible. <laughs> but I very vividly remember him being at the door of our bedroom and him telling me that he loved me and he loved Harry. And yeah, I'll never forget that that picture of him there. You were 37 weeks at this time, is that uh, right? I think it was almost 37 weeks. 36, 36 weeks. So he told you he loved you both and, and off he went and you just got on with your day as normal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was quite hot that day, so I just spent the day on the couch. And, yeah, I, re- I remember thinking, oh, I knew he wanted to be back by, say, 3 o'clock, and it was, it got past 3 o'clock, and I was like, oh, where is he? He didn't answer his phone. The mate that he was with wasn't answering his phone. And then I text our friend's wife, and I said, have you heard from the boys? And I didn't hear from her either. But, you know, you don't think that much Mm. of it. And then the dog started barking at the door and I opened the door and there was two police officers at the door. And I kind of, like, the dogs were barking and I couldn't concentrate, so I put the dogs out the back and I I didn't let them in yet. I was like, is everything okay? Is Matt okay? And they kept just saying, can you please let us in? Can you let us in? And I was like, is Matt okay? So I finally let them in. And they said, is, is your husband Mark Hall? And I kind of just had this sense of relief come over me, like, oh, they've got the wrong house, they've got the wrong person. They looked at each other and they said, and then they looked back at me and they said, did he go out dirt bike riding today? And I was like, yes. I didn't 
I still at this point didn't think that they would say that he had died. I thought that they would tell me that he had an accident. And then they said his, you know, his temperature got really high and he fainted and they couldn't get him back. And I was just like, no, this can't be possible. Like, we're just about to have a baby. And I don't know, I just, I don't even know if I was crying at this point. I was just like in shock. And I called my parents and they came over and then I was like, I'm gonna have to call his parents. So I called them and I'll never forget the sound of his dad's voice when I told him, cause I had to tell him, like I couldn't say, just come over, you know? And he just like screamed down the phone and I'll never forget that in my entire life. It's horrible. Just you know, I've read about, you've read you write this on Instagram, but seeing you, hearing you right in front of me repeat it is just a different level. And yeah, I <laughs> can't even begin to express how sorry I am Thank for you. that. And how you, how did you know how to put one foot in front of the other in that moment? I guess those three weeks between when I, when Matt died and when I had Harry, I, they were the longest three weeks of my life. But I was just like, every day I was just like waiting for this little boy to come. Because I knew that like once I held him in my arms that like, this is who I had to survive for, you know? So like, and I'm, and I'm thankful that it was only three weeks because I hear a lot of stories about girls that, you know, I have a good friend whose husband died when she was like 15 weeks and I couldn't imagine having to go the whole pregnancy grieving like that so and then you gave birth to Harry three weeks later I think mm-hmm. it was yeah can you give us some insight into how it felt I guess simultaneously juggling the worst thing that could ever happen with the best thing that could ever happen I mean it was it was frightening because your world is just thrown upside down but I guess what I really focused on was Harry and this little human depends on you, you know? So that was my focus. I was like, I spent a couple of extra nights in the hospital because I was scared to go home. Like I was going, I was still going to stay with my parents and I had their help, but it's frightening. Like I didn't know if I could do it. Mm. Yeah. Did you, did you have, you had a lot of support around you though, didn't you? Yeah, amazing. I couldn't have done it without my parents, my best friend, Matt's parents. I really, I really am very lucky. I had a lot of support. Did it almost just feel like those few weeks and then having Harry just, it was it was like almost not real? Were you kind of almost waiting to wake up from it? Yeah, yeah. It was all quite a blur. Like I, sometimes I just like, I don't know how I got through that time, but somehow you just do. And I think especially, you know, for mums and everyone's got their different stories, but as soon as that child's there, that has to be your main focus. And yeah. even if you feel sick or even if you feel exhausted, somehow you always you always find the energy to mother. You just don't have you? To, yeah. You literally it's just this instinct that you just have to. Yeah. There was a lot of media attention surrounding Matt's death and then surround and then when you had Harry. Did that how did you handle that? Did that bother you? It did because people, like reporters, for example, they would would message me and they would message my best friend like days after. So they have no, 
I don't even know the word to use. They just can be quite horrible to get the story to get a story. Mm. Would they message you on social media? Yeah. 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 I'm asking you to have yeah. an interview. Yeah. And just in a time And they wouldn't let go either. Yeah. It's hard. It's really difficult in a time that you just you want everyone to keep away. The last thing mm. you want is people trying to intrude. Yeah, even like somehow it got out that because I had to have a season with Harry I got rolled out of the theatre, operating theatre, and the nurse said to me, oh, you're in the newspaper this morning it's saying that you're having the baby today. I'm like, how did... Who's told someone? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Was there anything apart from that, I guess, I'm sure that wouldn't have been really surprising, but was there anything else that really surprised you in the aftermath of Matt's death? I was surprised by how amazing people can be. Because, you know, all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, people really were amazing. Like, I would have gifts, I would have messages. Like, people were amazing. Really, really amazing. Yeah. And motherhood, you know, at its worst is challenging and its best is incredible. But it's, it's, it's challenging for anybody. Yeah. How did you try and foster a sense of normality and routine for your new son? I guess at the start, we just kept ourselves busy. So my best friend would be over most days with her little four-month-old. I was with my parents for quite some time. We just had people around a lot, and it did get a little bit stressful having people around all the time, but it kept us busy. And I don't think that that was such a bad thing because when I was alone, it was a disaster. Tell me a little bit about Harry. How old is he now? He is three in February. Oh, my gosh. He is a really funny little guy, and he's got the biggest smile, and he just lights up a room, and it's... I think it's a testament to all the amazing people that we have around us. Yeah. And what has he meant through you in all of this, and how has he helped you navigate this grief as well? He's just, just a really beautiful little soul, and... Like, since he's been talking, really, sometimes, like, I'll, I'll just start crying and he'll be like, Mummy, what's wrong? And he'll give me a cuddle and it's, it's a really nice... It's nice to have him around. It's beautiful. Do you see Matt in him? Yeah, the older he gets, I definitely do. He has, like, a cheeky little smile which has got Matt written all over him. <laughs> But yeah, the older he gets, the more little things that I see that reminds me of Matt, which is a really nice thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you do, is there anything that you try and do to, I guess, keep Matt's memory alive for Harry? Yeah, so because he was a pilot, we always, whenever there's a plane in the sky, we'll say, look, there's Daddy. I'll keep, I have lots of photos around the house still. And it's been really important for me, for Matt's family to be in his life. So... You know, they always talk about him too, so he's always he's always going to be there. And is it the kind of thing that you'll have to sit down one day and explain to him, or do you think it'll just be that a known thing because you all speak about him so much? A couple of weeks ago, he actually said to me, my daddy died. It's like, it takes you back a little bit because you're like, he probably doesn't really understand what that means. But we talk about him all the time and... Like, I tell him he can talk to his daddy and he's there, he's always listening and he's always protecting him and, yeah. How did grief manifest for you in those early stages as well? 
at the beginning it was it was tough it, it took over your entire body sometimes you just like cry so much you just don't think that you can like you feel physically feel like your heart is breaking but you know over time like it's always going to hurt it's always going to be something that I live with but it definitely eases as time goes on how has it changed? Because I know grief takes in so many different forms. Has there been times that you've felt angry or been times that you felt sad or, you know, how has it changed and evolved for you? To be honest, I've never felt angry. I don't know why. I've just kind of accepted that this is what happened. But I'm sad for me. I'm sad for Harry that he doesn't get to meet his dad. I'm sad that he that Matt doesn't get to see Harry grow up. So it's just more like a, it's a sadness that you carry around with you. How have you learned, I guess, to live with that? Because you don't want that to be, you know, your, your, your joy radiates through everything you put up. I know you wouldn't want that sadness to infiltrate everything you do. Yeah, I haven't wanted, I haven't wanted this to define me, but it is part of who I am now. And that's, I am the person I am because of that situation that I was in. So it's built strength in me that I didn't think that I had. That is one of my questions is, you know, the Emily, if you were sitting here pre-2017 compared to you now, how does that, how has that Emily changed or has she changed? I definitely have. It's quite amazing, like, this finding a strength that you didn't think that you could, that you had. So, you know, I am really proud of who I am and how far I've come. And, yeah, like, as I said, it's always going to be with me. But I think Matt would be really proud of how far I've come. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You've always been so open and vulnerable on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. Was that therapeutic for you to write about how you were feeling in those early stages and even now? Yeah, definitely was therapeutic for me. It was almost like... I was giving myself a pep talk. I would usually post on the days that were the hardest for me and I didn't do it for anyone else except myself. But in that time I've grown a little bit of a following and I've, I get messages still to this day from girls who have been through similar things or not necessarily even a death but maybe a breakup or whatever and it's just good to be reminded what's important in life that was what I was going to ask you as well what's it has it been special for you to connect with these women that might have have, and have a lot of them gone through similar things yeah a lot of them have and it's still to this day breaks my heart hearing girl stories about you know them being in their early stages you know three or six months or a year or whatever because I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy that the first probably a year and a bit was it was tough mm. it's just somehow you put one foot in front of the other you don't try not to look too far into the future because it just there's no point one step at a time it's a sense of community I guess that you've created through Instagram being helpful for you as well definitely right? yeah definitely I have some amazing support and yeah some of some of the friends I've made on Instagram are some of my best friends now which is really nice yeah did you ever get caught up in 
and it would be so natural if you did a sense of victim mentality like this isn't fair why has this happened to me mm-hmm. why have I been dealt this hand yeah so I guess you never think that you always hear stories of other people going through things but you you don't ever think it's going to happen to you and I definitely definitely at the start I was like why has this happened to me like it's not fair but I quickly learned that that doesn't get you anywhere it just you just dig yourself a hole that you can't get out of so it was important for me just to remember that like yes this really bad thing happened but you still have a life to live and I didn't want Harry to feel like he missed out or you know I didn't want him to see his sad mum all the time you know yeah. And, and was it also because you wanted to, I don't know, enjoy the, that beautiful early stage yeah. of his life as well? I didn't well? want him to feel like he missed out. I didn't want, and I didn't want to miss out on that time because I was not there or vacant or whatever. So, yeah. what were the kinds of things that you did do to make sure that you know you weren't missing out on him growing up? Did you did you seek professional help or did you try all different kind of healing <laughs> modalities? I did see a couple of psychologists, which the only one that can really save myself is me. Like, it's just going to take time. It's mm. You can't rush your grief because it's just not going to happen. Mm. You'll end up having a breakdown. Or let anyone take it on for you yeah. as well. Yeah, you can't. Were there times that you just felt like, I don't want to get out of bed today and I, I'm no, my hands are in the air, I can't do it? Yeah, I often felt, like, in the early days that I just wanted to run away. Like, I would have loved to have booked a ticket and gone overseas for a year or whatever, but I didn't have that option. So I just had to take those days, the tough days, really slow. Yeah. And was there any – I know you you was just going back, you said you didn't have too much success with the psychologist, but were there any other ways that you sought comfort? Yeah. When Harry – was three months after I had my Caesar, I went back to the gym and I do have 45, so I'm a bit of a cult member. <laughs> you do the photos as well? Yes. <laughs> but I built a really beautiful friendship with a few of the girls and there's a mum's class. So we would take the kids at 9.30 and then we'd go for coffee after. And that was that was really good for me to not only you know, focus on getting my body back, but just for my mental health, I think that was one of the best things that I did. When I was going through your Instagram, you posted a year after Matt's death about how you were going to take the lemons life has thrown at you and create lemonade, which I thought it gave me goosebumps because that's what this whole podcast is all about. It made me really feel so excited to speak to you and feel like I was supposed to speak to you. So can you talk me through how you're achieving just that? I just... The day that he died, I didn't want that to be the end of my story. I was 30 years old. I had a new, like, you know, Harry was just about to be born. And I was like, I'm too young to give up on life. And if he's taught me, if what's happened to me has taught me anything, it's to live every day to the fullest and just enjoy your life. That's what it's there for because there's so many things that Matt didn't get to do that he would have loved to have done and I do a lot of I do a lot of things because he doesn't get to do it 
that's what I really love when I'm following you is all the, the travel you do do. Is that is that why? Is that because you just want to experience everything that life has? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And you take Harry away a lot and do a lot oh, of different things. I mean, it is much easier to go without him. <laughs> no, really. Yeah, I want him to see the world too. And we're going to Western Australia at Christmas oh, time, which will be beautiful. And, yeah, I want him to... I want him to love travel too. I think it's important. I think it builds character. Absolutely. And especially considering Matt was a pilot, I guess yes. there was that ingrained love of travel yeah. and seeing the world as well. Yeah, yep, definitely. And you talk a lot about signs and and the universe. Were you spiritual before this? I have a very religious family, but I don't know if it's because of that, but... I've got all sorts of signs from Matt and it usually happens when I most need them. Sometimes music will come on at the most random times, like songs that remind me of him. Like, I can't tell you this story. He told his best friend years and years and years ago that when he died, he wanted someone to play Puff Daddy, I'll Be Missing You Mm -hmm. at his funeral. And in the first probably month or so, I heard that song on the radio probably six times. That's incredible because it's not a song that... No, it's not a common song anymore. It's not a song. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would... I get numbers a lot, like like 11.11 or 4.44 or not so much anymore, but it, it did get quite weird at the start. And then I'll often, like... I often cry in the car. I don't know why. Probably too much time to think. Cars and showers. (laughs) Emotional. I don't know why. (laughs) And then I'll often just see like a plane fly in the sky, like when I've just burst into tears or something. And it it might be a coincidence, but it it is comforting to know that he is he's around. Is that is that how you feel? There are other times that you I know you feel his presence or. Yeah, I do. I do often. Probably not so much now, but I do always feel him around. Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to ask you these questions as well, and you can talk as much or as little about them as you want, but did you ever think that you'd fall in love again? I was hopeful, but I did worry a lot, especially at the beginning, that why would anyone, why would any man want a woman with a small child? So it was frightening at the beginning, really frightening. Like to, and I know you would know the same thing, when you feel like you've, you know, got your life on the path that you want it to go and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't know where I fit in anymore. It's like starting again. So, yeah, I I honestly, I didn't know, but I was hopeful. And then, like, I remember for me it was like, how do I date as a, as a no. single mum? Like, I know. We knew what dating was like once upon a time, but imagine like, hey, I guess, and here's I photos know. of my kid. Like, it was just really... Because, yeah, like, as you said earlier, Matt and I were together since we were 17, so I didn't know how to date. Like, you know, when you're a teenager, it just kind of happens or... You just become boyfriend and girlfriend yeah. straight away. <laughs> like Matt told me he loved me on our first date. So yeah, it was it was weird. Very weird. 
And then you met your now boyfriend, Dave, mm. who you wrote that you believe was sent by Matt, which I thought was just the most incredible thing. And it gave me goosebumps when I reading it, when I read it. Were you searching for a boyfriend at the time? I had kind of loosely been seeing, you know, looking around, you know, what it's like. (laughs) But then I was like, I had always said to myself, I'd never want to go on a dating app. And I, and then one day I think I, I had a fight, I had this dickhead that pissed me off and I said, you know what, I'm going to try Bumble. And I didn't really expect much from it, but... This isn't sponsored, by the way, but... No. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually matched with him on on the first... In the first probably hour that I had it. And I think we went on our first date maybe a week after that. And on our first date, he was driving me home. He drove, mind you. Very responsible. (laughs) And... He was telling me that he had just gone for this job and he really hoped he, he got it. Then I ended up finding out that he was going for a job at Matt's family business. Oh, my God. And he ended up getting the job and he still works for them now. But I was like, this is too weird. Like, of all the companies in Brisbane. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm literally shocked. I know. Yeah. That's... Wow, sorry, let's just stop her for a second. That's absolutely incredible. Did you tell him pretty soon, how soon did you tell him that you had Harry? I think I had told him when we were talking, so before we even had our date. And and that's one of the things, like, with those dating sites, like, a lot of guys would write you off for having a child. Mm. They would kind of stop talking to you or whatever. But he was very open to it. And I think he actually met Harry maybe on the third, on our third date. He came over for dinner and he met Harry and they made friends straight away. And I think kids know they're a good sense of, is that the right? Yeah, sense sense of of character. character. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Was that strange? As you said, you'd never really dated before and you and Matt had been together since 17. So dating and going into that big bad world, Were, were you nervous about you know a few duds before finding a good one because i can say there is you you rarely find someone good within the first hour of swiping so you did Um, well i know my odds are pretty good (laughs) yeah i think i got i think i got very lucky yeah (laughs) and what was that meeting like of date when dave met harry was it was it special for you or did you just try not to attach to it too much yeah i think so because you know also it was only our third date so i'm like i know a lot of people probably don't they probably don't want to introduce their kids to a potential boyfriend so soon. But, you know, I just rolled with it and I think I made the right decision. Yeah, and I think as a mum you have that gut instinct to know yeah, as well. Yeah. You know that, it, that it's a good person. And I the, I had a boyfriend last year and I remember just thinking, I'd rather kind of know now earlier on if you're not cool with this yeah. and then, rather than waste our time six, seven months down the track and then realise that they're totally oh, okay. So I think you had a gut instinct and I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> what has your relationship with him taught you? He, he kind of turned up and I just... I knew that he was going to stay and it was a really nice feeling to like feel like I have a little family unit because it's something that I had always wished for but I I didn't get the chance to have that so he's we're constantly teaching each other things like every day you know I was with Matt for 
13 years or whatever it was. So we're learning and every day and, and that's okay. But it's, it's really nice to feel like a part of a family and he loves us and we love him. And I've loved watching as well Dave's love for Harry mm-hmm. too. How touching and special is that being for you? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I just watch them sometimes and I just think to myself, how lucky are they both to have each other? You know, because I wasn't sure whether Harry would ever have a father figure. And, you know, we think of Dave as his dad and... I really look forward to watching them grow up together. And I, yeah, it's beautiful. When you reflect back, what are the main lessons do you think that Matt's death and even just having Matt in your life has taught you? Take every day as it comes, but, you know, live life to the fullest. And I know that sounds a bit cliche, but, you know, I don't, I'd like to think that I don't sweat the small stuff like I would have. You know, it's stressful having a child running around and, you know, trying to get dinner organised and whatever, but little yeah, little things don't bother me as much as they did. And I just, life's there to enjoy, you know. It's fun, you know, working really hard and making lots of money or whatever, but it's not going to bring you happiness. What do you hope that people who do follow along on your journey get out of it? I get people that message me a lot just saying, you know, thank you for the reminder that just not to worry about the little stuff. It's just not worth it. It's not important. You know, just love each other and enjoy enjoy each other's company and just, just live your life because, you know, I didn't think that this would happen to me. I didn't think that Matt would pass away at 29 and... You know, you never know if today's going to be your last day. So just live it. And what does... I know grief can stay around for so, for so long, in some cases forever. What does it look like for you now? I think at the beginning it was, like, all-consuming. It, it takes over your body and you can't breathe and you feel like you're just going to die from having a broken heart. But... You know, it's like, as I said, it's all, it's always going to live with me. We're always going to miss him. We're always going to love him. But now it's, it's karma. The waves don't come as often. And you kind of just learn to live with it, I think. And it's still times that it's, I don't know, you find yeah, yourself randomly crying. Or, yeah, all the time. Yeah. And you've called yourself a survivor, which I love. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What does that word mean for you? I guess getting through something that you never thought you'd be able to get through so you know I've got through the hardest part and it's still hard every day is hard but I've got through the toughest time and you know I'm I think I'm allowed to say that I'm proud of how far I've come and who I am now yeah. Is it the milestones, are the milestones the hardest or is it sometimes just the everyday little moments that no one else would find remarkable but you do? I think the lead up to the milestones are usually worse than the actual day. But yeah, sometimes just random days will be hard. Sometimes now, like for Father's Day, for example, I just kind of felt a bit numb. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know how to feel. And then, so, you know, people will text you and say, I hope you're doing okay today. And that sometimes actually makes it worse because... You're like, oh, well, I feel like I was actually doing okay, but now I'm like, should I be feeling this way? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, how do you when you want when Harry grows up and is an is a man? How do you want him to reflect on his childhood with you and you as his mum? I just want him to. I just want him to feel like he has been loved and we've had fun along the way. I probably I smother him with love. I give him lots of cuddles. I tell him I love him all the time and that's how I was brought up and I think it's really important to to know that you're loved. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And if there are people listening and people that do follow your Instagram that are going, have tragically gone through something similar and are in those early stages, as you were talking about earlier, what, what would your advice would you have to them for them now? I would say just take one day at a time. Don't, don't rush your grief. It's okay to feel what you're feeling. And it's not always going to feel, it's not going to take over your body. Like it's, you're going to feel happiness again. You're going to be able to smile again and you'll, it'll always live with you, but you'll you'll feel pure happiness again one day i don't know this this question can be difficult to to answer for some people because i don't know considering how dramatic how your life has panned out it wasn't how you imagined but Mm -hmm. if you can look in a crystal ball and look ahead to your future what do you hope it looks like in five years time i mean i don't think it will be that much different to now as in I'd love to have a beautiful, loving home with Dave and Harry, maybe, you know, another child if that's possible. But, you know, do the same things that we're doing now. Travel and go to the beach on the weekends and just doing things that we love. Enjoying life. Yeah. 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 And just finally, what advice would the Emily now tell the Emily in her darkest moments when you didn't think you could go on another minute and when you couldn't get out of bed? What would you tell her? I think probably not that dissimilar to what I said before is that you know it's not always going to feel this horrible and that you will smile again you'll be happy again and it's not going to be the same and it's something you have to live with but you know you'll definitely be happy again it's really beautiful mm-hmm. a beautiful note to finish on <laughs> thank you so much thank Emily you. for your time I'm so appreciative for you to make yourself available and having a chat Thanks with us so. thank, thank you, you. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Lemonade. Thank you so much to Emily for agreeing to be a part of the podcast. I think we can all agree she's seriously one incredible woman. I know I got so much out of listening to her speak and I hope you did too. If you'd like to follow her on Instagram, you can do so at emilyhall86. As always, you can find me at Bambi and Baby underscore. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please hit subscribe click five stars and leave a review. I'd be most appreciative. Have a great week, guys. Bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.